Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Happy Thanksgiving, Wendy. Happy Thanksgiving, Mike. That's it's right. a great holiday. I love it. It used to be my favorite holiday when I was a kid. Really? Yeah, because my birthday was. We never celebrated my birthday that's on the actual right. day. We'd always celebrate it on Thanksgiving. We had family over. Well, that's fun. So, like, I never thought about the actual like birthday as like meaning anything. I always be like, well, Thanksgiving's a lot more fun. And you got presents. Yes, and I got presents on <laughs> Thanksgiving Day, so that would always be that's like, yeah, all right. Because most kids would would prefer you know Christmas or a holiday where there's gifts. Right. But I prefer a holiday that's all about me and my presence. Oh, man. And now that well, I'm old, I like Halloween because I like dressing up and drinking. <laughs> Thanksgiving has always been one of my favorite holidays because it's just, well, A, it's centered around food. <laughs> yeah, you can eat all you want. <laughs> so that's a great thing. And then family, it's centered around family and it's relaxing. You don't have the pressure of gift giving. That's true. Gifts make everything like they, they're not... They're not that magical thing that everybody thinks right. they're going to be. It usually ends up just being like <laughs> angry. And, and just having to wrap the presents and like, you know, just the, everything around that whole process of gift giving. I feel there's more pressure around Christmas than there is around Thanksgiving. Because the thing is, mm, if Thanksgiving definitely. goes bad, right. you get like a redo a month later. And it's like... <laughs> it's like, okay, hey, Thanksgiving well, was okay, bad. That's Let's do this again in a month. But it's also just hanging out with, you know, the people you love, eating lots of good food, Getting sleepy, taking a nap, maybe like just presents. hanging oh, out. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> so getting presents. Okay. Well, happy birthday to you. Thank so, you. I mean, this comes out on Monday, but um, your birthday, as we're recording, it was yesterday. Yes. And we're celebrating it tonight, which yes, is Friday. Yes, tonight we're playing a show at the Club Tavern. So, so I'm looking forward to that. How's the, how was the birthday yesterday? Oh, it was good. I really just, I worked on the podcast most of the day. So. All right. Well, that sounds like a great birthday. <laughs> yes. So uh, that, was, that was, and, and then I watched um, the director's cut of a movie called Nightbreed which was Clive Barker's second uh, film he directed, the only other film he directed besides Hellraiser. And I'd seen Nightbreed, uh, you know, 25 years oh. ago or whatever. Okay. And then the director's cut is on Netflix now. Oh, nice. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to celebrate today. You by, chose that movie. By watching the director's <laughs> cut of Nightbreed. We also feature Nightbreed a little bit in our video for We Are the Darkness. Oh, by that's the one. Okay. So... Um, but I, I hadn't seen the director's cut. And it's like a half an hour lost footage that they just yeah. put back on. I wanted to check it out. Cool. Well, I was reviewing some of the footage from the Road Mania of your birthday that um, five years ago. Ah, which, 2010. Yeah. And we, we played at the same club that we'll be playing at tonight, Club Tavern. <laughs> yeah. So we've really and gone far. We're right. <laughs> it's good career, to know things sure. change. We have we, we sure launched. Coming up, coming up in the world. <laughs> but um, in the video, you said, and I quote, this is my best birthday ever. Oh, I did. Yes. So I think the goal should be for tonight for that to be true as well. I agree. Because it can be true every year as long as they just keep getting better than the previous that's one. That's true. So, so I think we should. I, I'm going to make that let's, happen. Let's try to let's try to make that happen. Tonight. Okay, that sounds good. And next week we can report back on how it. And we'll let you know if it really out. was the best birthday ever. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. That's right. So anyway, so that that's a little bit of what I've been up to in Thanksgiving and stuff like that is what we're coming on to. But Wendy, you've been busy. Yeah, I have been a little bit. So <laughs> I see today you're wearing your Iran the Golden Gate running shirt. So yep. what? 
What's that mean? My souvenir that I earned by running a half marathon in San Francisco across the Golden Gate Bridge and back. It was fantastic. It was painful. Okay. And a uh, great experience. But you're a finisher. I'm a finisher. I finished. Okay. Good. Because <laughs> if you did, I wouldn't let you wear that shirt. Oh, man. No, no, no. I would not do that. That that would not be cool. But people were wearing them to the race, which I found a bit... Yeah. I find it presumptuous. Like, sketchy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I see people that's like, you know, you're wearing your shirt early? Huh? Okay. You're really going to win this one. You don't have any other wicking shirts. Right. But the thing is, all of my technology failed. So I had a GoPro... I was wearing to capture the the beautiful run. A GoPro is like a is a little digital camera. Yes, I I and I had it on like a harness strapped on my chest so that I could because you know I th- I knew there'd be lots of views, but I didn't want to have to worry about bringing a camera. Sure. Like, while I'm running, right. trying to not so trip like and a, stuff. Like a steady cam out yeah. there or something like that you had on your chest. Yep. So I had a friend that loaned me the GoPro, and I did practice runs with it and everything, and it worked great, and it got really good footage, and uh, it it got the first 28 minutes of the run which was up to pretty much right before I got on the bridge. Ah, <laughs> so. uh, see, right before what you want, the footage you wanted to get. Yeah. The no money shots. Right. Okay. And then like 10 miles in, my music and my GPS device just... The battery went? It, actually, I think it started misting a little bit, and I think the water was playing with it, and the volume stopped working, and then I yeah. then the music went off, and then the GPS stopped, and so I had no idea how fast I was going or how much race was left, so it was fun. <laughs> so Wendy had to run like people used to run. Right. How did running. they do that? It right. sucks. How did they do that without a camera and music and knowing how fast they right? were Right? And like the last three miles, the worst possible part of the race, I thought I was dying. Yes. I thought they were moving the finish line away from me. No, that that is those last those last couple of miles. It's just like you're like because you think you're done. It's like oh man, and you're usually like dialing it up a notch. You're like you know Trying what I'm to. gonna go my fastest to pass, and I'm just gonna run because this is what I trained for and this is what I did. And then it feels like it never ends. Right. Then you're counting every step. You're like oh, it's and I was like I was nine hundred ninety nine steps to go. Seriously, gonna ask the people on the sidelines that were like cheering and holding up signs and the photographers and stuff i almost asked them like where are we where's the finish line but i didn't you were just busy screaming i hate you at anyone standing <laughs> like if you're not running i hate you well i got the, the they posted the pictures and there's you know most of the race i'm looking pretty happy pretty smiling, smiling and stuff and yeah. then the, the last two miles i just I, you can <laughs> the see scowl. the misery in my face it's the horrible scowl. yeah I've, <laughs> thanks I, for capturing that guys Appreciate i feel it. for you no i have like a constipated face <laughs> Like, while I'm running, I think that I'm just, I think I'm, I, I got this like epic, like giving tough it, guy. And then I look at the pictures of that and I'm like, am oh, I going to the bathroom brutal. in my short? Like, really, it's not the face that I want to do. So, like, I think maybe I, like, I just need to pose. You got to practice running with a better face. Yeah, I just have to smile more. <laughs> I'll borrow somebody else's face. I'll borrow your face for that. No, I mean, uh, expression. Practice running while smiling. That is okay. That's a good idea. <laughs> when I train for my next marathon, I'm going to do That's that. That's part of the part of the routine. Because I, I always like when the pictures come in. And so, okay, um, when you run a marathon or a half or any kind of race, they usually have photographers, professional photographers come out and they capture it. And they'll send you digital copies of the pictures and you can buy them. Sometimes the pictures are free, you know, and that's yeah. awesome when they come free. Yeah. But usually you got to pay like, you know, 30 bucks for the whole race or something. Right. And then there's maybe 15 to 20 pictures of you. And I never buy them. I'm like, I look at it, I'm like, oh, oh, God. Like, like I don't, I don't want to. I would, I would actually pay money to have those removed from the internet. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to put those up anywhere. It's like, I'm gritting teeth. I didn't even know I had. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. So, but anyway, the, the half marathon was fun. And thank you for inspiring me to do that. I never consider myself a runner. And, and now you totally I, are. I am. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That so is awesome. I can't do, I haven't done a whole marathon like you, but I'm, you know. 
well that much closer right yeah and plus <laughs> i mean i think a lot of it's the training is that yeah you know it's not just the running of it it's the saying like you know what i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna train and i'm gonna do this and yeah. that's that's the, like then you're like you know i've done i ran every other day for three months right well now you're a runner yeah and exactly. that's an awesome that's awesome yeah thanks so uh speaking of awesome if you guys want to see uh, a brand new sunspot video we've got a cool zombie video for uh the tv show the the web tv show the Dettersons. that's right they made a little video for uh, the song we wrote for them called i was a teenage zombie yep and we recorded that song actually for our zombie apocalypse episode back in may right oh so we'll link that in the show notes and you guys can take a listen to the song and we'll link so you can watch the video too yeah it's, it's, it's right on there so and they're uh they're getting ready for their season finale which is coming up and we're going to be playing at the party yes for it which is on november 29th and just in, in rockford yes illinois. in rockford it's, illinois it's place so sweet it's got rock in the name <laughs> that's right and um the season finale just a little spoiler yeah there might be somebody you recognize oh in it okay well as, as a character okay well don't don't tell me that don't tell me the plot details I, I'll, I, I'll give you yeah i won't tell you the plot but i will say that the that character is a drummer okay that's all i'm saying all right so it's the zombie buddy rich <laughs> exactly right and i heard i heard he was a super jerk <laughs> in real life and that there's a great story oh. That, that's a buddy rich you know obviously if he's most of us um unless we're old have saw him on the muppet show yeah the, the drum off with animal yeah and he played drums everywhere and stuff okay but anyway so i i just i just read this like two days okay. ago when i was doing some research so buddy rich was just known to be a real jerk yeah. and uh somebody kept on calling his wife after he passed away and they said hey is buddy there and she's like the- no no i he he died like six months ago. Like, didn't you know that? And the guy is like, no, I know. I just like hearing you say it. Oh my, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this, the person that hated him kept on calling back that and asking for him to his wife. Might be the worst human on the planet. Yeah, that's a pretty rough one. Like, even if you hate a guy, even if you that's hate a guy sick. to do that. That's sick. But we're not talking about hatred no, no, today. No, no. no it's, we're not. It's Thanksgiving. Yay. And so, okay, I know everybody... Uh, that's in the U.S. at least. So we celebrate Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday of every November. Mm-hmm. And Wendy, when you think of Thanksgiving and the history you were told as a child about Thanksgiving, oh gosh, what do you, what do you think of? Uh, of course, the pilgrims and the mm-hmm. Indians, yes. having a nice happy meal, everybody together and sharing the bounty. Yeah. <laughs> the that that first winter that, that the first winter at, at Plymouth right. was just so horrible, was so rough. That the Indians brought them food and the pilgrims were so thankful for it and that, that they sat down together and they thanked God for being able to share that. And everybody sang Kumbaya. Yeah, and it was a beautiful moment. Okay, <laughs> that, that's not really how it happened, um, but, but we'll get to that in, oh. in, a second, in a second. First of all, we should probably talk about the Puritans. Like, so, so why would we care about the, the Puritans on this show beyond Thanksgiving? Why would we care about them? Yeah. On this show? Yeah. <laughs> because because they're like the most superstitious oh, group okay. of people that ever lived. And they talked about Satan all the time. Could it be hmm, Satan? Yes, it was. <laughs> and so the, the Puritans really were like, they were like religious extremists who were always talking about the devil. You ever see the movie Carrie? Yes. Okay. You know how the mother... Pig's blood. Yeah. Pig's, right. Pig's blood all over the greatest America. And they made a remake of it too. Oh, and yeah. I, yeah. Um, but the original, 
they pour pig's blood over like John Travolta and the greatest American hero is in it as Carrie's date. And that's a great movie. If you haven't watched it, make sure you watch it. But her mother is always talking about the devil and how the devil's trying to influence them. And we oh, got to do these okay. things to protect her against the devil. Well, that's how the Puritans kind of, that's like what they believed. It's their bread and butter. Yeah. And they, they were religious extremists. So they were facing religious persecution in England, which is why they came to the United States. They were facing religious persecution because they were separatists. Okay. So let's go in the Wayback Machine back to around like 480 years ago. Okay. And now we're back. Okay. So King Henry VIII wants to divorce his first wife. The Pope won't let him have a divorce. And the king is friends with the Pope. Wow. But he wants to divorce his first wife because she hasn't given him any any children, Catherine of Aragon. Uh, If you guys ever uh, watched the movie Lion in Winter with uh, Peter O'Toole, uh, watch it if you're into English history. It's just a, it's just a tremendous performances. King Henry VIII decides to leave the Catholic Church in order to be able to divorce his wife. Wow. Okay, that's, that's pretty it. extreme. And, right, and then he decides to do that. At the same time, the Protestant Reformation is happening in Germany. Martin Luther is saying all these things that are wrong with the Catholic Church and that he wants to change. And the Catholic Church was, I mean, it's corruption, it's money, it's a you know, millennium-old institution, mm-hmm. uh, completely corrupt. So that's why these guys wanted to reform it. Okay. All right? So the Puritans become like, they go all the way Protestant here. And they thought that the English government didn't take it far enough. The Church of England had too many things that made them like the Catholic Church. Okay. So they were an extremist group that actually wanted to, they eventually caused the English Civil War in the 1640s and then took over the English government. Before then, though, they went to Holland for a few years. So in 1608, all the, the pilgrims go to Holland. Okay. And Holland, they decide, is too corrupt for them. It's too corrupt for their kids. Their kids are, st- I mean, and I've been to Amsterdam, so I know what they're talking about. Sure. Like, if you've been to the red light district, <laughs> it's too corrupt for your kids. I haven't been there, but <laughs> all right. I, I take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> And so it just, they, they felt like the Dutch influence was, was too corrupt for their children. Okay. And then they go to the New World. You know, they set up a charter in the New World. And so they can just start fresh on their, on their own terms. Yeah. Yep. And, that, and that's what they did in 1621. That's, they show up at Plymouth Rock, which you can still see if you go to Massachusetts. Oh, cool. But let, let's talk a little bit about their religion for a second. So they were most influenced by a philosopher named John Calvin. Okay. Now, have you ever read the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes? I have indeed. Okay. John Calvin is who Calvin is named after. Oh, wow. And the philosopher Thomas Hobbes, who, I mean, his big quote is life, you know, life was nasty, brutish, and short. <laughs> that was his, he was a philosopher. Um, okay. So. Didn't know that. In the comic strip, they're named after huh. uh, John Calvin. And so here's a little bit of Calvinism that uh, you can take to the bank here. Okay. Total depravity. Man is naturally unable to exercise free will since through Adam's fall he has suffered hereditary corruption. Evil is a palpable presence in the Puritan's world and is often symbolized between the struggle of light and darkness. So they felt that humans were basically bad. <laughs> That's And there's no, there's no horror that man couldn't yeah. commit. Which is weird if they're called Puritans. Well, they keep their religion pure. Keep it all the Catholicism out. So they wanted okay. to go back to still, the teachings of Jesus straight up without any Pope stuff in the middle. But they still think that man 
humans is are by bad. virtue just so one <laughs> of the pure yeah and so one of the one of the uh, precepts of the catholic church is that man and woman mm-hmm. uh woman whoa <laughs> man has uh has free will so that we go to heaven based on the things that we do mm-hmm. if we do good things for other people do good works for other people that counts and you get okay. to go to heaven because you do good things for other people we exercised our free will to do that according to calvin there is no free will okay god has predestined who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to hell so do what you want cuz it's not going to make a difference right but well, party hard yeah. <laughs> and that well that's the thing but the 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 puritans believed that they were the elect mm. They believe that God had chosen them. So they're so, going they're going to the good land no matter what. Right. And everybody else isn't. And that's the thing. Oh, man. So if you don't fear God, then Satan can control you. Ah, okay. And it doesn't matter how nice you are. And it doesn't matter that Jesus died for your sins because that only atones for your sins a little bit. Mo- most of everybody is going to hell and only this small percentage is, is going upstairs. That's some of the basics of Calvinism, that, okay. that they have this really strict thing, no free will. Uh, <sighs> you're predestined to where you go. It's, it's, it's a very stark yeah. kind of religious thought. But on the other hand, Calvin also, uh, some of his social thought could be described as a little bit socialist. One of his quotes, the state must enforce restrictive justice. But man should try to secure distributive justice, doing its best to eliminate gross inequalities in the material status of its members. Hmm. Okay. That's not a belief we would often assign to hardcore Christians right. in the 21st century. And also that people who serve the public function in the church should be elected by the churchgoers. Oh, okay. So like they were elected by God to go to heaven, but the people in charge of the church would then be elected. So that's some of the formations of democracy mm. that we have in the United States come from this Puritan belief and, and from this philosopher Calvin. Even the Mayflower Compact, mm-hmm. which they all signed, and one of the reasons they signed it is because there were people in the Mayflower who weren't Puritans, and they were trying to exercise some legal authority over them. So they signed this Mayflower, Mayflower Compact to make it look like it was a more official colony oh, of okay. England. And part of the Mayflower Compact talks about how they're electing the people to govern over them. And, okay. you know, so Calvin, we'd say like, oh, man, what kind of philosopher is that? He's a total jerk, right? Like everybody's going to hell. Man yeah. is bad. But at the same time. It's forming some of the basis of democratic thought and modern thought. And they, uh, they always talked about the devil. Ooh. So uh, author Douglas Matus has a, has a good thing where they talk about him. To Puritans, the devil was an invisible presence that could influence the material world. According to Cotton Mather, he's somebody we're going to talk about a lot in a second. Okay. He wrote of devilish afflictions he claimed to have observed firsthand. An attack from the devil could manifest as scratches or bruises, muteness, blindness, or sharp pains. Mather additionally claimed to see impossible contortions, such as the revolution of the head upon the neck, like the exorcist, Whoa. jaws open to an incredible width, and the tongue pulled out to a prodigious length. Oh, that's a nasty visual, man. Like Gene Simmons. Ah. <laughs> Purins also believed that the devil caused depression and could lead the afflicted to alcohol abuse, promiscuity, and suicide. Okay. They considered the wilderness the devil's natural habitat. As pilgrims in an uncharted land, Puritans recognized themselves as intruders in the devil's territory and thus special targets of his ire. 
Native Americans, whom a lot of Purins regarded as servants of the devil, aroused suspicion and fear. So hmm. we're talking about this ultra-religious group of people who had settled in a new place and the devil's always on their lips, you know, because he could be anywhere. He could be doing anything. Yeah. He could be working through uh, your neighbors. And also... It's a scary way to live. Well, and that's one why witches are usually associated with women is because Puritans saw a woman as a weaker sex, mentally and spiritually, as well as physically, because Eve was the one that ate the apple. So it all comes back and that they're blaming on Eve eating the apple. So of course women yeah, right. are more susceptible uh-huh. to temptation and they're susceptible to the devil because it's their fault we got kicked out of paradise <laughs> in the first place. Mwah, mwah. <laughs> right, if you wouldn't have ate that apple, <gasps> we'd still be there. The maitre d' would have let us stay. Gosh. Well, here's a, here's a little bit of uh, uh, just some of their superstitions. We talk okay. about anybody can beat the devil. Horseshoes over their doorways. So have you ever seen oh, that yeah. if you go to the East Coast? But are they upside down or? I don't know if they're upside Oh, because I mean, you know, the horseshoe, like the good luck. It's good luck if it's right side up. Or yeah, upside. because it's holding the lock. If it's upside down, the lock pours out of it. Okay. Okay. That's, I didn't know I have that no idea where I heard that, but I feel like I've known it my entire life. So, Well, witches were afraid of horses. Oh, okay. And so the horseshoe over the doorway was supposed to kind of keep witches out. <laughs> and um, witches are afraid of horses and that's why they ride brooms. It's <laughs> because they're afraid of horses. Being born on a Sunday was a bad sign because it was implied that you were conceived on a Sunday. Ooh, naughty. Sunday's a day of rest, not procreation. And it's kind of a myth about the Puritans being super afraid of sex. Okay. Like when we say something is puritanical, we usually mean that it's like, oh, the Puritan, he's got a real puritanical view of sex. Prudish. Yeah, which means that, okay, this is this sex isn't going to happen because you're a prude or this is, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Well, that's not really... The, the Puritans, as long as you were married, if people weren't having sex with each other uh-huh. and not doing the job of procreating and contributing to making yeah. the colony bigger and stuff, sure. they would get in trouble. Oh, okay. So, so it was not frowned upon if you were if married. If you were married, you actually... Were, I mean, adul- uh, I mean adultery... Yeah. We've all read the Scarlet Letter, probably. <laughs> adultery was frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. Fornication was like just going around. Yeah. Like you couldn't be uh, just heading... Like Charlie Sheen style heading around having oh, sex gosh. with everybody. That would be frowned upon. Right. But if you were married... You have to have sex because it's your, I mean. Right. Um, they want more be, Puritans. Be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. It's right It's right there in a book. Yeah. God says it, so get it on. <laughs> and so that, that's a little myth about Puritans. They never walked under a ladder because when a witch was pushed from a ladder on the gallows, she would drop under it and whoever was touched by her breathing her last breath would soon die. Whoa. So that's where the walking under a ladder is bad luck yeah, came and from? I, and I, yes, it's where it came from. But I also think it's good common sense. Well, <laughs> if you see somebody up on a ladder, don't walk under them because you could knock the ladder or but you could it, fall. It's not if there's somebody up on the ladder. It's just you're not supposed Anytime. to walk under one. And yeah. And, and they, it came from the idea of a witch falling off the ladder. If a witch touched you while she was dying, I see. you were next. That would be a weird time to walk under a ladder, I'd think. Well, like right during the... With, with illness and... You know, everybody's like all these portents of you're dying next. Uh-huh. You know, a bird flies in your house. Sure. Somebody's going to die here. Like with illness and, and the way that medicine was in 17th century colonial America, yeah. people died all the time. Okay. You know, by the time these guys came to Plymouth Rock, 
half the right. half the no. Puritans were dead. I get that, but I mean, I'm just I'm imagining like an execution taking place and somebody just carrying their groceries, being like, oh, <laughs> like just like, oh, go, whoops, I'm under the ladder. Oh no, <laughs> oh, I got touched by like, a witch. It, it seems like it would be. <laughs> it's over for me. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but no. yeah, I could see where people would be very afraid with so many diseases and yeah plagues and whatever else these come these come from an author uh lee conrad kelmsley and she wrote a book on uh a fictional novel set in puritan times and she okay. she wrote a little bit about their um superstitions and here's my personal favorite one about the puritans if you had rats in your house you were supposed to write a letter asking the rats to leave oh so you would write so that polite. letter and then leave it out and if the rats ate the letter <laughs> That means they read it. They would leave. Yeah, that was the way they read the letter. That, that's they would leave if they read the letter. That's awesome. And um, so I, oh, I think that I wish they, it works like that. Right. If they ate your paper, maybe they died from the poisonous ink or something like that. Is why. Wow. That's yeah. <laughs> so you know when we talk about the first Thanksgiving and the um, pilgrims meeting the the native tribes at the time, actually. Uh, we just said that, you know, over half the pilgrims that came over in the Mayflower were, were pretty much dead by the time Thanksgiving yeah. rolled around or that, you know, it, the Brutal. winter rolled around. And who actually did the translation for them with the local tribe was an Indian named Squanto. Okay. And Squanto had been captured several years earlier, taken to England to be a slave. Oh, wow found his way to Spain where Indians couldn't be kept as slaves okay because the church said that uh, you couldn't keep Native Americans as slaves okay so Spain was a Catholic country right and they still treated like don't get me wrong the Spanish still treated Indians like crap yeah. but they couldn't keep them as official slaves okay so then he got away got back to North America and so the Puritans were surprised when somebody showed up yeah and was able to speak some English to wow. them wow okay because he had learned it when he was captured yeah. earlier Interesting. But he also wasn't with the native tribe. Like okay. he was a different tribe. I see. And, um, but he did engineer, like he, he talked between them. He got the Indians to give him some food and help out and, and things like that. But it's funny that the native tribe that was there didn't trust Squanto <laughs> and it's theorized that they poisoned him. Oh. <gasps> So William so they Brett, thought he was working against them and right. allying with the with the Puritans. Oh my gosh. So they poisoned him. That's, that's the thing. When you go back in history, there's no really clear good guys and bad guys. You know, uh, on Facebook this week, because people have been talking about the Syrian refugees in the United States and what, what should our attitude be about them, I've noticed something being shared a lot is where people will show a picture of a Native American looking at a pilgrim oh, right. and they'll say something yeah. like, sorry, we're not accepting any yeah. refugees. It, I mean, it's two cultures coming against each other, and they both do not nice things. Yeah. So William Bradford, who wrote a, uh, a history of that, that Plymouth colony, writes, Here, Squanto fell ill of Indian fever, bleeding much at the nose, which of the Indians take as a symptom of death, and within a few days he died. He begged the governor to pray for him, that he might go to the Englishman's God in heaven, oh, and bequeath several of his things to his English friends as remembrances. His death was a great loss. Wow, that's sad. So the idea of the, the nosebleeds and stuff, like why would he get that? Because he was poisoned. I see, okay. Yeah. Now, and this is from Susan Bates in, in her uh, article, The Real Story of Thanksgiving. A generation later, after the balance of power had indeed shifted, the Indian and white children of that Thanksgiving were striving to kill each other in a genocidal conflict known as King Philip's War. 
At the end of that conflict, most of the New England Indians were either exterminated or refugees among the French in Canada or sold into slavery in the Carolinas by the Puritans. Richard Greener, an author, says that the first Thanksgiving Day did occur in the year 1637, but it's nothing like ours. The Massachusetts colony governor, John Winthrop, proclaimed such a Thanksgiving to celebrate the safe return of a band of heavily armed hunters. They had just returned from their journey to what is known as Mystic, Connecticut now, where they massacred 700 Pequot oh Indians, God. 700 Indians, men, women, and children, Ooh. murdered. Somebody even made a, like you can see, I'll, I'll put up this illustration. Somebody made like a wood cutting of, or an illustration of the, like the place burning down with these guys outside of it. So it's war. So they were celebrating their victory or whatever. There's, and the Thanksgiving oh, is man. for, uh, is, a, a, is a massacre. That's disturbing. Well, the thing is that the Puritans who were celebrating on Thanksgiving had no aversion to violence. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in this nasty, rough terrain. They think everybody that's is not a Puritan get- is in league with, not just out to get them, yeah. not just out, that they're in league with the devil. <sighs> so literally, it's like fighting the infidel. You know, the, the devil, the adversary of, of God, mm-hmm. you know, it, it makes it sound like they thought other people were like bad guys in a video game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we see wow. a movie now and you see people killing aliens or they'll do this, like even in the Star Wars movies, yeah. that's kind of why everybody has masks and they're, ro- right. they're fighting robots and everything. Because if they were fighting actual people, yeah, I mean, like you'd be like, different. well, that's, that violence is real. When you see a robot get blown up, you're like, ah, it's just a robot. Yeah, get him! <laughs> and... You just start to feel that that's how these people felt of people as yeah. as the other, oh and, and because they're other than you, because they're in league with the devil, it doesn't matter if yeah. you kill them because they're not human. Wow. God has not chosen them. So just we kind of learn there's no aversion to violence uh, with the pilgrims and the Puritans who are terrified of Satan at all times. Yeah. They're like the most superstitious people in America ever. And now it makes me feel really sad thinking about sitting there and enjoying a holiday that might have actually well started as a celebration for like massacring people well really our modern thanksgiving comes from <laughs> abraham lincoln okay who kind of he kind of declared it the holiday and, and stuff so i don't need to feel so bad no because abe lincoln was a good guy <laughs> abe lincoln freed the slaves he yes. didn't kill the indians well in the black hawk wars yes he did kill the okay, indians so okay feel bad again yeah <laughs> and and that's the thing about history like if you think somebody is this bright shining light of perfectness right y- you better think again and speaking of history and revision and well oh man what are the puritans most famous for besides thanksgiving the, the witch trials the salem witch trials <laughs> that's right and i think a witch the- <laughs> she's a witch badass <laughs> And I think the Salem Witch Trials, they'll deserve their own episode at some time. Absolutely. Because yeah, that, there's, a, a there's a ton of detail we can go into. Complex topic. And so if you guys don't know anything about the Salem Witch Trials, uh, I'd recommend you can read Arthur Miller's play, The Crucible. Oh. They made a movie of it in the late 90s, The Crucible. It deals with the witch trials. And so Arthur Miller, who um, was one of Marilyn Monroe's husbands. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, which is, you know, she, so she marries a nerd or pl- nerdy playwright. But she also married, you know... Joe DiMaggio. Just giving every, everything a little every, try. Right, right. It's like, hey, I've got a... And if there's a rock star at the time, she probably <laughs> right. would have married one of those too. <laughs> well, it's kind of like Lisa Marie Presley. Yes. Like Lisa Marie, she marries Michael Jackson. Why? He's a rock star. She marries Nicolas Cage. Why? He's crazy. <laughs> no, but... No, but... Because she, you know, makes Why her way through you? all different kinds of guys. And so Marilyn Monroe did too. Arthur Miller... 
probably his most famous work is Death of a Salesman. Oh, okay. That's classic. That's, which is uh, uh, the feel-good play of the year. Right. <laughs> I like Death of a Salesman, but I, I, don't, I really don't care if I ever see it again. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Nobody's ever like, Death of a Salesman, high five. Right. You enjoy it for the work of art that it is, and then you go, okay, next. Well, and so he wrote The Crucible as a parallel of the uh, the communist investigations that were oh, going okay. on in the 1950s with uh, Wisconsin's proudest senator, Joseph McCarthy. <laughs> going oh, in man. With the uh, House, House on American Activities Committee and then putting yes. Hollywood people on the stand asking if they were communists and then blacklisting the ones who had communist sympathies. And so that's what he wrote The Crucible about. And I recommend it. It's a cool movie, too. And it's interesting. Okay. Um, so let's go a little bit in the Salem Witch Trials. If you guys aren't familiar with it, let's give you a little background. Okay. Okay. We got a guy named Reverend Sam Paris. Born in London. Went to Harvard. Lived in New England for a while. And then he moves down to Barbados. Whoa. Yeah. Exotic. Yeah. And not just because he loved the weather. <laughs> it's because his family had like a sugar plantation. Oh, down there. Okay. okay. So he moves down to Barbados and runs the sugar plantation okay. for a while. Gets religion. Comes back up to New England. Okay. Comes back up to New England, gets married, has some kids, brings along a slave from Barbados to Tuba. Okay. And that was the slave's name? Yeah, Tuba. Okay, gotcha. T I T U B A. Okay. If you ever watch a movie in the Salem Witch Trials or whatever, it's always, you know, they always portray Tatuba sympathetically because she's exciting the children, the reverend's children, with these stories of voodoo Ooh. from Barbados. Okay. She tells them these mystical, scary stories and... She sounds fun. She does sound fun, but it, it gets, it gets in the kid's cool head. The, yeah, yeah okay. it gets in the kid's head. Uh, his daughter, Elizabeth Paris, two R's, uh, was the first one to start acting possessed. Whoa. Started freaking out, started going crazy. Blames Tatuba. That Tatuba uh-huh. put a like a demon in her. Oh man. So what does the good reverend do? He beats the crap out of her oh, until she confesses. Gosh. And her husband, who's an indentured servant there, well, he's trying to get his wife out of Oof. stuff. So he starts implicating other people in this witch circle, this coven of witches in Salem, Massachusetts. Okay. So, uh, 19 people were hanged. So, 19 people were actually wow. executed because of the witch trial. One person was pressed to death. Oh. Corey Giles, pressed oh. to death. An 80-year-old man. What? 80-year-old man was pressed to death. This is how classy these guys were. Wow. So, wh- what does it mean to be pressed to death? I- like squeezed between some boards or something. Kind of. Like get, pressing apple cider. Yeah, a lot like pressing apple cider, except it's a human body. <laughs> oh, gosh. Ein forte et dure. It's French for forceful and hard punishment. That's my, obviously my French is, is, is crap. C'est très bien. Was a method of torture formerly used in the common law legal system in which a defendant who refused to plead stood mute at trial and didn't try to defend himself or implicate others, would be subjected to having heavier and heavier stones placed upon his or her chest until a plea was entered, or as the weight of the stones on the chest became too great for the condemned to breathe, fatal suffocation would occur. Okay. So, the ghost of this guy, according to local legend in Salem, Massachusetts, now now we're talking. uh, They say he can still walk in the graveyard. You see the ghost still cool. walking on the grave when a tragedy is about to strike the town. 
Wow. That's Not- kinda... Notably, he was said to have appeared the night before the Great Salem Fire of 1914. The position of sheriff of Essex County, Essex County was also said to have suffered from the curse of Giles Corey as the holders of that office since George Corwin had either died or resigned as a result of heart or blood ailments. <sighs> Corwin himself died of a heart attack in 1696. So when we say like this curse on the sheriff of Essex County, it's like 300 years long. Sheesh. The curse was said to have been broken when the sheriff's office was moved from Salem to Middleton in 1991. That's all they had to do was move? Yeah, all they had to do was oh, move come on. and then you wouldn't have a heart attack and die on duty. If only they had known sooner. So the Salem witch trials, 20 people end up getting murdered. It's just, it's just a few years later. That people are already like apologizing for it. Yeah, doesn't that just make you feel yeah. disgusting to be a human? This is 1692, and like by five years later, Massachusetts is like, Ooh, our bad. Oops. Yeah, we did that. Sorry. We did that, didn't we? Wow. Well, why would people go with the whole witchcraft thing? Why would people even find it believable? Basically, it's one family of Puritan ministers who had been there since the beginning. Mm-hmm. The Mather family. They'd been there since the colonization. Okay. And, well, they wrote about witches. Made a big deal out of it. Uh, Increase Mather. The guy's name was Increase. <laughs> really, with Increase Mather. He was a reverend in mid, mid-17th century New England. And one of his works was called Woe to Drunkards. Two sermons testifying against the sin of drunkenness. Uh, I already don't like him. Right, I already think he's a jerk. <laughs> but he also had a, a, a book called Remarkable Providences, an essay for the recording of illustrious providences. And it's all about witches. It's all about making a deal with the devil. It's all about these amazing miracles and tragedies that had happened okay. in New England. You know, it, just to quote some things like, the devil had frequently the carnal knowledge of her body, and witches had meetings at a place not far from her house. The devil serves his clients, suspected witches executed. Uh, just all these kind of things. Like, this is just like, I'm just, I've got this long thing, and it's all yeah. about demons mm. and um, like sex with the devil and using, wow. you know, using satanic powers to hurt your neighbors and stuff like that. And that's what he's presenting this as a history. Okay. This, okay. So imagine. Now I know you weren't a real churchgoer, but you've gone. You've gone. Sure. You've, and imagine the uh, pastor at the church mm-hmm. said things like, the "Devil's totally real. There was a witch in Milwaukee like last year, and let me tell you exactly what the witch did." <laughs> and you'll be, "Oh my God! The right. de- I think the devil's real." Because you trust that person. You go every week. Right. And increase Mather. Uh, with the, the sweet name. I mean, this is probably why he was so famous because he's I just increase. Imagining his mom like, what should we name our kid? And just pulling out a dictionary and like, okay, close your eyes and stop me when I get to the page. <laughs> right. Like, really? Increase? Yeah. I. Uh, it. Oh, anyway. Sure. Um, I, I don't know why <laughs> she named him Increase. But so Increase Mather is like the most famous. So he kind of brainwashed England. everybody into think to believing in the in yeah. the whole which they already they already had a belief in the devil. Yeah. And now So it wasn't that far of a stretch to get them to There's this guy who's writing histories in New England, is writing all these books and all these sermons. He's going in and letting people know that yo, the devil is real. And, and he's here. And he's here and he's taking people over. And it could be your neighbor and it could be anybody. Yeah. And so 
His son's name is Cotton. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Cotton Mather. And we, we talked a little bit about Cotton Mather before. Right, yeah, yeah. Now, Cotton Mather... He was real soft. He was, he was real <laughs> soft and cottony. People, you know, people like to wipe their butt with him. No, I... They should have. Okay, so he's... He's like third generation from these original guys, uh-huh. like from this guy named uh, Joseph Cotton or John Cotton and something, something Mather, uh-huh. like his grandparents uh, yeah. were like original Puritan okay. pilgrim dudes. And so Cotton Mather's descended from them. And he's not quite as famous as his father, but he has to find some way to drum up publicity around his own service. Okay. He ended up writing 400 books. Wow. Yeah, that's a... That's like writing constantly your entire life. Right. And that's what he did. He would do that. He would deliver sermons. He was pretty influential in the uh, Salem Witch Trail because he writes a book about a woman named Ann Glover in the 1680s. And Ann Glover is a uh, Irish woman living in Boston who's working as a housekeeper for a guy named John Goodwin. In the summer of 1688, four or five of the Goodwin children become ill after an argument with Ann Glover's daughter. And the doctor that was called suggested it was caused by witchcraft. What? Right. So that's when you know you've got a really oh smart doctor. Gosh. When he's like, ah, oh. four of the kids are sick. You know, it could be that they all shared a bath and they coughed on each other. Or it could be witches. That'll be $100, please. <laughs> right. That'll be four pounds. <laughs> so, he su- right. so he suggested that it was witchcraft because one of the daughters said that she got sick after she saw the daughter of the maid stealing some laundry. Oh, okay. So it was like, oh, yeah, well, we caught you doing something, and that's why you made us sick. Anyway, Glover was arrested, tried for witchcraft. She spoke Irish, Gaelic. She didn't speak English. Okay. Natively. She was born in Ireland. Uh Uh-huh. Actually, during the invasion of the Puritan head of England at the time, Oliver Cromwell. Oh, wow. So, I mean, Oliver Cromwell's generally thought of as a guy who, while he helped bring some democracy and mm-hmm. people electing their officials, um, they beheaded the King of England at the time when they took it over. He's also regarded as kind of a buzzkill. Yeah. Like the Puritans hated Christmas. <laughs> Doesn't say anything about Christmas in the Bible and the Christmas was the papal, it was a Catholic thing. So Oliver Cromwell, he canceled Christmas. He killed Christmas. Yeah. And he invaded Ireland. Oh, man. He's like the Grinch. Yeah, he is the, he, he is the literal Grinch. And uh, Con Mather writes that Glover was a scandalous old Irish woman, very poor, a Roman Catholic and obstinate in idolatry. At trial, it was demanded she say the Lord's Prayer. That's to Our Father. Uh, she recited it in Irish and broken Latin because she never learned it in English. So she did what she could. And then she was hanged. <sighs> November 16th, 1688... So 327 years this week, Glover was hanged in Boston amid mocking shouts from the crowd. Somebody who knew her and was a, a big a critic of Cotton Mather, there was somebody speaking sense in 17th century New England, a Boston okay, merchant good. named Robert Califf. He said, Goody Glover, that was her nickname, was a despised, crazy, poor old woman, an Irish Catholic who was tried for afflicting the Goodwin children. Her behavior at her trial was like that of one distracted. They did her cruel. The proof against her was wholly deficient. The jury brought her guilty. She was hung and died because she was a Catholic. So that's the kind of people we're dealing with when it comes to the Puritans. So think about that when you're carving up your turkey. Like, 
Um, think about so if, you would, if you, you would just, like to hang a papist around you. I liked that holiday. It is. No, it's still a nice holiday and it's still a chance to celebrate with your family and stuff. <sighs> but just don't think that, I mean, the Puritans yeah. are fanatics. Yeah. Straight up extremists. I mean, they didn't just want to take over the, the English government. They did. Yeah. And they cut the head off the king. So that's kind of like an extremist. I mean, think about if the Jehovah's Witnesses did that. You'd be like, not only do they not celebrate birthdays, or they come to your house to watch, they're like, they kill the president. Right. You'd be like, oh my God, Jehovah's no. Witnesses killed the president. Oh my goodness. Um, so that's that's kind of it's kind of what they do with them. <sighs> Robert Califf also pretty much blames Cotton Mather for laying the groundwork for the Salem witch trials. So when they're doing the trials, the judges actually send to Cotton Mather. They're like, hey, you know, we're interested in, in what kind of evidence we should accept about this. What do the, the um, clergy people of New England think? Well, first he did a good thing and he said, well, don't accept too much spectral evidence. Okay. Because the devil is full of lies and the devil okay. will try to make you hurt innocent people. Oh, gosh. So okay. spectral evidence is the idea that when the, you know, so you always see the Salem witch trials. When you see in the trial, the, uh, the girl who's being possessed or being attacked by the devil starts freaking out and pointing. Goes, I right. see an imp over yeah. her head. There's an imp over her head. You know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and that's spectral evidence. Okay. So when a girl screams and says that she sees an imp over Tatuba's head, that, okay, that's probably, probably not real and spectral. Yeah. So... So that's um, not he said, okay. do not lay more stress on pure spectral evidence than it will bear. It is very certain that the devils have sometimes represented the shape of persons not only innocent, but also virtuous. Though I believe that the just God then ordinarily provides a way for the speedy vindications Ooh. of the persons. Unless they get hanged yeah, or pressed but... to death. So when they asked for an opinion, they pretty much said like, you know, they said like, be careful of spectral evidence. But at the same time, they said that God said it's okay to hunt witches and that he has provided the techniques for which to find those witches. So they kind of give <sighs> them the all clear. You know, you say yeah. they, they cover their butts by like, you know what? Be careful that special evidence. But you know what? If God will, God will let you know about these witches. And after the trials, he, he still writes about it and he continues to kind of justify it, even though he's once again covering his butt. Yeah. In his uh, Cases of Conscience Concerning Evil Spirits, is one of his works, it were better that 10 suspected witches should escape than the one innocent person be condemned. Oh my. So he says that, but at the same time- sounds so nice there. At the same time, he comes out a couple years later with a, a, a work called The Wonders of the Invisible World. Let me read you some quotes. Ooh, okay. Some accounts of the grievous molestations by demons and witchcrafts, which have lately annoyed the country, and the trials of some eminent malefactors executed upon occasion thereof, with several remarkable curiosities therein occurring. So while he says it's better for innocent people to go, you know, to not get caught, and right. for, it's better for witches to go free than innocent people to get killed, he basically says, "Yep, those people were witches." <laughs> Like he's like, no, nope, we didn't kill anybody wrong. Those people we, were. They were definitely witches. like yeah, not, they were, not taking any accountability for. They did. They did grievous molestations wow. that have lately annoyed the country, and they were eminent malefactors. Mm. But at the same time, Cotton Mather also was a leading force in pushing for inoculations against smallpox. Huh? Really? Some people were afraid, just like today. Yeah. They're afraid that the um, 
Because, you know, when you get a vaccination, you are getting a little bit of the disease. Right. So your body can form antibodies against it. Well, I don't know. They didn't have that figured out back in the like the early 18th century. Uh-huh. But they did have some idea that people who got smallpox and survived didn't get it again. Right. And we don't have smallpox anymore. But it it killed a lot of people. Yeah. Like, it killed everybody. Like, smallpox <laughs> almost killed everybody. Like, so it was like totally dangerous, totally horrible. <laughs> And while some of the people in New England were like, this is way too dangerous, these smallpox infections are actually killing the people. They're giving the people the disease. Oh, okay. He was saying that getting inoculated is the one way to protect yourself. Hmm. Because back then, it wasn't weird for religious people to also be into science. I see. And that's because they're one of the only people that go to school. Like, they can read. Oh, right. Most people can't read. Yeah. So if you're good enough to read the Bible, then... You can learn other things too. Bingo. Yeah. You can learn about science and stuff like that. Anyway, that's the Puritans. Wow. Well, that's a, that's a lot more than I knew. From, yeah. From what I learned in grade school so, and, and the happy little like table of them, you know, eating with the, the Indians. and So be careful when you're eating your turkey this year because you never know if the devil's sitting Ooh. next to you. So. Well, I would like to just, you know, enj- I'm, I'm going to sort of reframe the holiday for my own you know and i guess i think this is kind of what most of us do is is take it as a day to celebrate the things that you appreciate yes you know that we're lucky enough to have so instead of focusing on that pilgrims uh (laughs) right like slaughtering indians hanging people being completely superstitious and being religious extremists that 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 killed the king of england so horrible Let's think of the nicer things we have like family and friends yes and listeners right and and you listeners are people that we are very thankful. We for. do appreciate you. And it's been it's been a great year of meeting lots of neat people and getting some feedback from people and just yeah. uh, really appreciate that you, you take the time to, to put us in your earbuds. Yes, please do. Okay. And also, if you guys want to say what you're thankful for, like supernatural, Ooh. if you're thankful for anything supernatural, then we want you to uh, let us know. Just put at Other Side Talk in there your you tweet and tweet something you're thankful for. Um, especially if it's fun, like if you're thankful for the ghost hunters or you're, you know, you're yeah. thankful for exorcism live on the air or right. I'm stories th- about shadow people. Yeah. I'm thankful. <laughs> for, I'm thankful for Art Bell coming back in his radio show. I'm thankful that I saw that UFO a few weeks ago. Oh, when he did, she saw the, she saw the missile <laughs> yeah. over California. But, it, uh, but before we knew it was a missile, what I saw was a really strange thing in the sky that I've never seen before. And for a few brief hours, it was a UFO. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. So Wendy's thankful uh, (laughs) for the American military. (laughs) But um, either way, we're very thankful for you, the listener, who uh, keep us coming back every week and letting us have a really, really good first year of See You on the Other Side. We're looking forward to uh, this year just being even better. So thanks for that. You're here. And now let's uh, listen to a little song from Sunspot inspired by Cotton Mather called The Wonders of the Invisible World. And he 
for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. I see an imp over her head! There's an imp over her head! Could it be, hmm, Satan? Yes, it was! <laughs>